Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Check out some of our network mates, the Roaring Riot podcast, not what you think, and it is what it is. For more great talk about your favorite team, follow the Riot Network on Twitter, at the Riot Network, to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, and love us on iTunes. My name is Nikki Wolf. Sitting next to me, Mr. Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, and not only has thoughts on the Hornets draft pick, he's basically ready to announce his own Hornets pod that has even more yelling than this one. Yes, and, and more, more a- yeah, more apathy from the uh, from the front office, though. That's the difference. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm here for that. No. no well, <laughs> you you have been here for that. That's that you've been enduring for your nice 32 win seasons year after year. Aren't they special? Do you feel like anybody would listen to a Hornets? But sorry. No. Never mind. I can't. You know, you know there's one person who needs to listen to a Hornets podcast, and it's Michael Jordan. That's the one person. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's apparently hiring people off, off a green somewhere. We'll see if he's available for the first episode. Oh, yeah. He'll come on. He'll come yeah. on. We're tight like that. MJ and I. I yeah. figured. We go what's back. it we called? Go what's, what's your Hornets podcast going to be called? Uh, sell the team with uh, Colin Hoggard. <laughs> mm. Working title. Working title. <laughs> title in progress. Yeah. But it's a one-episode podcast. <laughs> one and done. One-hit wonder. Uh, the voice you hear already. Sorry. Yeah. Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, is thankful that the NFL has built themselves into a 12-month entity that never stops, except it plops a six-week drought in the middle of the summer for people to go on vacation. Yeah. Sounds like someone's got a trip planned. Yeah, boy. Where's the big dog headed? Big dog's going overseas, across the pond, to yeah. beautiful Normandy, France, with my lovely wife. So I'll be eating... Cheese and cider, that's what they're famous for over there. So some sort of huge Panther news is going to break. Um, I'm leaving next Friday. So Write it down. It's yeah, like clockwork. Put it, on, put it on your calendar probably what's June. It, what's D-Day going to be? Yeah, June 27th. Oh. Exactly. Uh, yeah. June 27th, what do you guys think would happen? What's like a big Panther story that could break while I'm abroad? Mm. Um, let's Eric see. Barry. Brian Burns er- is going to hold out. Oh, Eric Berry. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, they signed Eric Reed when I was in Cancun. So. Oh, that is true. Yep, and and fired uh, Dave Gettleman while I was in Belize. So anytime I go else. outside the country, I don't remember what the other one was, but I really like literally can't go out, out of the country without something exciting happening. So That's true. Well, let me introduce our guest because he would like to talk. Um, he's, <laughs> he's a good guest and doesn't just chime in immediately. <laughs> Joining us on the one-day contract this week, Josh Purcell, host of Middays on WFNZ and a huge fan of silly games during a show. That's good because we are all about the silly. Yeah, you know, silly games, kind of my thing. Uh, nonsense, I specialize in that master class. Um, <laughs> am I the most polite guest that you've had? Do yes. your guests normally just chime in from the beginning of the show? So Nick did that. I guarantee you Nick Wilson did that, right? I'm pretty sure he talked during the yeah. intro song. Yeah, oh, shocker. No, Nick likes to hear himself talk. See, I like to, you know, I let the hosts, you know, you guys, you're, I'm the guest. It's only right that I give you guys, you know, the first couple minutes to yourselves. Well, that's fair. I speak when spoken to. I, I do like to hear the sound of my own voice. That's for sure. That's why I turned myself he's up not the loudest. Even married. I mean, you would expect that out of a married <laughs> man. But. I'm getting getting there. <laughs> no comment. You're, you're in training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're thinking about doing a um, – m- myself and Kyle Bailey, who I'm sure you guys know, obviously, yeah. does the afternoon. So he's been married for a couple months now. And we're thinking about doing a podcast if I were to get engaged – that is just a basically like a marriage boot camp. And like every week I give updates on what engaged life is like from a guy who's I feel like that's kind of a niche that, that might 
I don't know. Do you guys know of any podcasts with guys going through the process of getting married? I feel like that, that's an advice that people need. That I, I would listen to that. I would yeah. listen to that more than I would listen to Sell Your Team with Colin Hoggart. <laughs> you know, it sounds like that one wouldn't last very long. Yeah. That's only a one-episode podcast. It's a mini-series more than anything else. I'm a little hurt, but that's all right. We're going to move <laughs> on. That's fine. Yeah, yeah look, tell so, Josh how to pretend to be interested in, in, in fixtures and centerpieces for the next six months. That's all you got to do. You're like, oh, oh yeah, this, you're right. This is more of a blush tone. You're correct. I see what you're going for now, babe. I get it. I get it. Things like that. That's it. I've never seen Cake. The Bachelor, but is that not what The Bachelor is about? No, I, no. I guess not. No, That's about, like the I thought that was about. I <laughs> thought that go. was about. <laughs> there we go. Bump and uglies. I don't know. <laughs> oh. oh. In the fantasy suite, I know they go yeah. into the fantasy suite and then like for three and nights not, in a row with different ladies. So and they're not talking about Stop your it. wide Is receiver that true? depth. Yeah. How do I know more about the Bachelor than you do? Somewhere on the internet, there's a really. Uh, I wrote an. I wrote an article for some blog somewhere that had that is literally just. Uh, Quotes that my wife said while drunk while watching the season finale of The Bachelor, <laughs> and it is awesome. And I don't know where it's at, so if you're some sort of an intrepid listener and a good Googler, it's out there somewhere. I think and I would recommend it. Probably she, on, like, Seventeen Magazine or something <laughs> like that. I wonder what your Tumblr's called. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, this is the biggest upset since we started doing the podcast that you know nothing about The Bachelor. That's the biggest upset? Absolutely. Like, if, if we were said who knows the most about The Bachelor, by default, I feel like I would have had you higher than me. But somehow, I feel like I have stumbled into some amount of bachelor knowledge that somehow surpasses someone else. My work counterpart shocking. in San Francisco was actually uh, – see, I don't even know how it works. He was <laughs> the bachelor, and then he didn't win, and then – He was the bachelor? Yes. So you have a personal oh, relationship oh, oh, with a bachelor. With like, the still, bachelor. And not still, a bachelor. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the true. bachelor. Yeah. I had I had to Google to figure it out to realize he was on both shows. Like, he didn't win his show, so then they made him the bachelor. Does he have a name? Like, it's like Chris H or something like that, right? Like yeah, it's usually. Chris or Jake. Yeah. Brad. Brad. His nice guy. Brad. Are we getting warmer? Ben. Yeah. His okay, Ben. ben. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. But not the most recent Not ben. the Higgins Ben? Ben no, Higgins? Oh, oh, wait who just slammed wait in here with some real last name Bachelor. Yeah. Oh, 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 not the most oh. recent Ben, but You're I know nothing of this series, guys. <laughs> well, that too. Uh, no, your boy was a big Bachelor fan back in my single days. This is This is... I think real advice, speaking of advice for, for men, <laughs> mm. um, if you're single and in your early 20s and yeah. you want to find a good icebreaker for girls if you're out at a bar, watch The Bachelor. I did that for the probably two years out of college. Never watched it before. Thought it was stupid. Didn't want to know part of it. Watched it one night. Got hooked a little bit on the drama. I mean, listen, they do a good job of kind of hooking you in. Sure. And then I started bringing that out when we would go out to the bars with my friends. It became kind of a thing where my, I would tell my friends, like, hey, I'm going to go up to these girls. I'm going to tell them, like, oh, my gosh, are you Team Dez or Team Caitlin? <laughs> and 30 minutes later, I'm in the middle of a conversation, like, very deep. And then I can bring my friends over. We have a full convo. It never led anywhere, but at least I got a good conversation <laughs> yeah, out of it for 30 go. minutes. So there's a little that advice a nice for you uh, eligible nice bachelors save. out there. Right, yeah. exactly. Thank <laughs> you. In case your uh, soon-to-be fiancé is listening, not that you – not if I'm maybe getting engaged in the future. I mean, I, 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 I I've do. Heard, <laughs> I've heard Coach speak before. Where they're like, well, you know, he's playing really well, but I don't know if I can't guarantee that he's going to start. Or like – 
well, we're going to see how he looks at practice. Listen, uh, we're taking this before. one day at a time. Okay. Uh, you know, we're just building something here. Yep. Um, and uh, we'll see what the future holds. You probably have more to say, but you haven't talked to RV yet. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, there's not any missed opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we already went off on a tangent, but let's go on another tangent. Nikki, super important question this week. Miles Bridges says, none of y'all can drive. Um, mm. Agree, everyone? That's Everyone true. agree? Yes. What are we the worst at? What are Charlotte drivers like the biggest like offenses, I guess? Well, ap- apparently, it does not matter how much your car costs. That the replacement cost on the turn signals is just through the roof. No <laughs> one can afford those premiums. You got to keep those things looking good. Yeah, well, you don't want to you don't want to just waste the like, bulb. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is just a right turn here. I mean, these these things only have so many blinks in them. <laughs> That's number one for me by far. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm gonna go with the uh, like switching, like switching lanes. Not just like egregious, like oh, I want to be in the right lane. It's like trying to go like oh, shit. I'm gonna use one of our curses right here. Crap, uh, my turn is right here, and they just try to like slam all the way over. And it's like, guys, this is why there's traffic. We can, we, you have to merge slowly. Just get over a little bit faster. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, I think. Uh, I drive down Providence Road a lot. Mm, and that's a baddie. Yeah, <laughs> n- not a great idea around 5 o'clock. No. But there, a lot of people seem to think that the red light, when it turns red, means that five more cars can turn left, mm. and then you have to stop. So yeah. what happens is you get, like, the car that's out in the middle of the lane. It's waiting on the light to turn yellow and then red. So then they'll turn left, and then four cars after them have to go, and then you end up holding up the other side of traffic. There are a lot. We spent 30 minutes on my show earlier this week debating where in Charlotte do you think Miles Bridges was? Because there's like a real investigation that can be done here. He tweeted yeah. it at 640 at night. Yep. So like where at 640 are drivers the worst? I feel like 7th Street where the light that goes from the green arrow know, to the red X can turn. What do you think? That um, light right there and in that area, he was either like trying to get to Target or get to Trader Joe's at that Midtown area. Yes. Uh, I think that's where my girlfriend the lives. worst yeah. spot ever. Soon to be fancy. And uh, that light does nothing. They put that light there, and I thought, this is going to help everything, and it somehow made it worse. I will defend people. I don't know why they needed to work on every road, particularly <laughs> in the western <laughs> side of Uptown. Like, like if you're going to – if you're gonna, you can't detour everyone to one street and then be like, oh, well, I mean, what's the problem here, guys? Like, literally every street on the western side of Uptown has cones on it right now. Well, you've got to keep it to one lane so that they don't have to use their blinkers. That's actually uh, they're, a good they're, point. They're, try, you they're put trying a, yeah, to solve yeah. the problem in Charlotte, the blinker the, crisis. The other thing, and this dovetails off what Josh was saying, is the people that are surprised that where 485 is. Yeah, you know, where exactly. Where it's like, oh, oh, 485. Oh, that, that <laughs> turn is right here. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, entire line of people. I didn't I didn't realize. that It's new. I don't know. <laughs> <if> <laughs> I know they got the signs that said two miles, a yeah. mile and a half, one mile, half mile. But now – I got to get over you guys. This is crazy. Yeah. I was thinking that maybe where he was was he was trying to get off of 277 onto Davidson. I don't know if Miles Bridges yeah. is a big Noda guy, yeah. but he seems like if he's trying to hit maybe like a Birdsong Brewing, yeah. maybe even maybe the brand new Jenny's Ice Cream in Noda, trying to get over and try to go over two lanes at the same time, it's bad news. That's the favorite. Awful. Awful, awful. Poor well, poorly that, I'm sure area. that our listeners in uh, Brazil really appreciated that <laughs> conversation. It's an important topic. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> in the world right now. We're, we're struggling. Globally. Are you, bi- we're are you struggling. big in Brazil? We're, we got, we have very, we're not big, but they're very, they're very into the show. Like loyal. it's not a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. But they're very loyal. I should have dusted up on my Brazil knowledge. I could have come with some facts. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh. 
They've I, got the best nuts. Okay, let's talk <laughs> about no football. One ever. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about football. Sorry. By the way, if you want to hear your important question right here on the show, go to iTunes, leave it in your review, and we will ask it. All right. Colin's so ready for this. Cam, 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 cam. Yes, that cam. Was, that was saying to the tune of the famous American poet Cisco. Mm. Cam, 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 cam. Cisco. Cisco for, for the people in Brazil. Yeah, apparently. exactly. So let's start with this first. Is he first. still painting the hair? Mm. Is that, is it that depends a, on who he is because oh. doesn't he have a split personality? Oh, does he? Does he? Right? Isn't he two people? I Well... I, I understand what you've been doing when not watching The Bachelor, it's apparently. Brushing up, up in your system now. <laughs> if that's ever an HQ trivia night, I'm going to crush it. Crush it. The dragon, right? Sorry. I, yes. Yeah, he is a dragon. All right. Make sure you end the show with San Cisco. Yeah, we will. Drew Hill, right? I feel like we Drew actually- Hill is his other alter ego, right? Oh. Aren't they the same person? Co-singer of Maybe Wild Wild West with Will Smith? Big Will, Drew Hill? Maybe. All right. Is that like when This is the Brooks kind of stuff that nobody Australia? likes listening to. They love it. So first things first. <laughs> Don't like with it. Cam. They love it. That's right. They love it. They love it. First things first with Cam. Is there another quarterback in this league that has to fight for his job more than Cam does? Inside the building, no. I mean, <laughs> I, like I think I think it's it's an absurd question inside the building. Outside the building, for whatever reason, it, it, it's persisted. But um, there's no other MVP that apparently is subject to losing his job the second a guy that wears, uh, you know, a single-digit number walks on the practice field more than Cam Newton, that's for sure. Well, it's true. It is. It's funny that the team has kind of constructed their roster in order to not have that be an issue for seven years. Like, they, they brought in Derek Anderson, and then they just kept him. So it was like, there's guys, just in case you're wondering, Derek Anderson is not going to – like, in 2016, the year after they went 15-1, but Cam didn't jump on that fumble and we made that gif about it – Derek Anderson's not going to be taking his starting job. Don't worry. And then it was like, well, Derek's retired, so we got Taylor Heineke. Nobody's thinking that Taylor Heineke. And now as soon as they go out and spend any draft pick on a, on a quarterback, people are like, oh, we got a little bit of a quarterback controversy. <laughs> and it's like, they're, I get it that they're, you want to show that your quarterback's healthy. We're going to talk about live streaming and whether that's a good idea. We're not live streaming the show. Um, it's, it's like they – they want so desperately to be like, no, 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 I know in case Undisputed wants to talk about Will Greer, Cam's good. He's got the new mechanics. He didn't win the MVP four years ago. He hasn't won, hasn't broken a ton of NFL and franchise records with his old crappy mechanics. Now he's a brand new quarterback. Yeah, I mean, in terms of fighting for his job, of course not. I mean, th- he is he is the franchise. He's been the franchise, and he'll probably continue to be the franchise after – what we've seen in the last month. I think fans feel a lot better after watching him get out and actually throw the football, yeah. uh, which I've, I've never seen a more scrutinized mini camp practice than uh, the one about two weeks ago here in Charlotte. But uh, keep this in mind. They're the only team in the NFL that has not drafted a quarterback from 2011 to 2018. I mean, Wilger yeah. was the first quarterback they drafted since Cam. And yeah. that, that's interesting because Cam's certainly not the only quarterback in the league who's a franchise QB. But yet every other team has seemed to draft at least one, if not multiple, quarterbacks. Now, some of those, like I think the Packers have drafted a bunch of seventh-rounders. They did have the Brett Hundley one uh, – or, or not Brett Hundley. Uh, no, yeah, Hun- it was Brett Hundley. Hundley. Yeah, Hundley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's on like his fourth team now, so I yeah. forget. But, um, but, yeah, so I think it was interesting in the sense that Carolina has gone from eight years of we're not really worried about the backup job because we've got a durable quarterback who's obviously our guy to – 
you combine Cam obviously struggling at the end of last season, having the surgery, and then a quarterback's drafted. It's interesting. It's certainly not any sort of controversy, at least not this season. I think if you push the ball forward a little bit, if Cam were to struggle again this year, their shoulder concerns, then you have an actual conversation. Anything between now and then is just people looking to create controversy. Yeah, no. I, I Like I mean, undisputed. Yeah, exactly. Well, got to talk about something, baby. Well, you know. Nobody's breaking down Will Greer's mechanics. He never throws off I mean, his back foot. I mean, you can't have foot, a bar sure. ball on every segment. You've got you to take a break from that at some point, so you might as well talk about Cam. No, it's, it's, it's true. And the thing with Cam is that he obviously is going to drive clicks. He's going to drive views. So any, anything that you can talk about when it's Cam – is going to be better. So that that's why when you bring in a guy like Will Greer, people are uh, are interested. But to me, it's like this guy has been. You said you mentioned durable, right? So he's missed what three games in the past uh, eight in his entire career? Four games in his entire career? Yeah, I think it's it's three. He missed two obviously last year, and he then he missed, missed one when one he broke before. his bet when he had a car the, the crash car accident, when his yeah. car flipped. Yeah, three so, sounds right. Yeah. yeah, so less than five exactly. So at this point, so now that his shoulder has been an issue for the past three seasons, my question, and I think this is something that either gets ignored or people are kind of willfully ignoring it, is that we talked about in the first few years of his career that he he runs so much. He takes so many big hits. Then there was the thing he doesn't take big hits. But is that uh, – and the way that he plays was going to affect him going forward into his career. Now we are forward into his career, right. and are we at a point where it is actually affecting him? Or is it just T.J. Watt hit him in the shoulder and that's he's going to be fine? Probably a little bit of both, I'm being honest. Um, that shoulder wasn't exactly 100% from the beginning of last year. Mm -hmm. um, Darren Gant, who covers the team and covers the NFL for Pro Football Talk, he was on our show as early as week four and was saying, that shoulder's not right. Darren's very plugged in with the team. So I trust Darren when he probably has some sort of inkling that, that something's going on. So I think it was a, a, a combination of maybe some mechanical things going on with him. He opens up his body a lot, things like that, that might lead to shoulder injury. I'm not a doctor. I, w I would like to do a segment on my show called I'm Not a Doctor yeah. because none of us are. We like to break this down as if we are. But, um, you know, maybe it was that. He's taken over 1,300 hits in his career, and that's over 400 more than the next closest quarterback in that span. So that that is significant. I mean, that stuff is the kind of thing that, you know, one hit here and there may not be a lot, especially to a guy who's 250 pounds. But the residual damage of that over time probably does add up. I mean, why wouldn't it? So Cam's incredibly durable. We've never seen a quarterback with his physical frame, his physical tools ever in the league. So he's built to sustain that more than a guy like RG3 who sure. runs the ball a lot and he's out of the league basically in three years. Um, so I think from that standpoint, yes, the style of play has probably contributed to a degree. Poor offensive line play, sure. lack of wide receivers who he's able to get the ball out quickly to. I just think the Panthers are probably built better now to help Cam stay protected and stay safe and run the right kind of runs. I think I think that's the important thing looking at this season. You can design runs to help protect Cam and maybe limit the type of contact that he's taking. What you don't want is those off-script plays where he's running around, he doesn't have protection, and you never know where the hit's coming from, and you can't necessarily protect your body as much. I know the T.J. Watt hit was a sack in the pocket, but you want to try to protect, I think, him from those unwanted off-script hits as much as possible. At least the NFL protected Cam on that T.J. Watt hit, though. That was <laughs> yeah. the nice part about that, you know, because we're concerned about player safety, and particularly a former MVP. I mean, that's the kind of guy you certainly <laughs> want to protect in a primetime game. But it's not like we've endured that before. You know, thanks for that Super Bowl rematch week one. 
Um, <laughs> no, he, Cam, Cam is – we are at the point where the mechanics do matter. He is at the transition point now, and whether it's today, tomorrow, whatever. But if he's going to have this second act in his career, he's already not the same runner he was because we're focused on the shoulder now. But before the shoulder, it was the ankle. And Cam is not the same speedster that he was as a young quarterback coming in this league. So he's already lost that a little bit. Now the shoulder a little bit. These and, and these are the things that add up. And as you become an older quarterback, you have to do a better job with the nutrition, with the mechanics, with all these other – with your preparation. This is a part of Cam becoming – the, the the adult quarterback, you know, and, and I'm not saying he hasn't been before, but it, you, we've seen guys like Steve McNair who have had to make that transition because they were the physical toll on their body over the uh, over several years. And, and Josh mentions all the hits he's taken. If he is going to be successful now, it has to be more the threat of the run than the run, and it has to be him executing from the pocket. So do I care about the mechanics? Yes, because this is when it starts to matter more than it ever has before. So much of Cam's career to this point has been pure athletic ability. And and obviously the guy works incredibly hard. He has worked on his body. It, you know, he has made a big deal over the past three years of the difference between he used to eat Twizzlers and candy all the time. And now he's he went from pescatarian and gluten-free to now he's vegan along with Gerald McCoy. And it's like that he has made, he has matured, but you're absolutely right. This is the start of a Cam Newton second act if there is going to be one. And whether you want to, however much you want to put into the new mechanics or not taking off and running as much or becoming this kind of Cam Newton 2.0, if that, if he is going to play for five or six more years, that's what's going to have to happen. If he wants to sign the same contract that Russell Wilson did, a four year, $180 million contract, that has to come with a different type of play. Similar, you don't want Cam you don't want to change Cam Newton, but at the same time, it has to you he has to show this year that he can get through the entire season completely healthy, that he is kind of ready to make that next step because even Russell Wilson is a different quarterback than he used to be. But like Russell, if you look at Russell's uh, contract in 2023 when he turns 35 years old, he's going to have a $39 million cap hit. That is the kind of contract that Cam is going to be in line for, yep. and if you feel comfortable giving it to him, it's gonna have to. He's gonna have to show that progression. No, I think that's a, a spot on point, and that's something that the Panthers front office, I guarantee you, has a very close eye on this season. Mm-hmm. Is, I mean, as much as they love Cam Newton and as great as he is and as important as he is to the Panthers, you also have to think about your long term, you know, viability as a franchise. And given the way last season ended. You want to make sure that doesn't happen again. And if it does, I'm going to have a lot to talk about on the radio for four hours a day because it's going to be the question everyone wants to know is, do you give Cam that kind of contract at 31 years old? 31 for a quarterback, you're a spring chicken. I mean, these guys are playing until their late 30s nowadays, but not quarterbacks who play his style. And that's exactly leading into your point is, can he adapt in the second half of his career? Can the shoulder hold up? Does he run as much? Norv Turner told Albert Breer a few weeks ago that we still want to use Cam as a featured ball carrier. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? He's never averaged fewer than six carries per game in his career, even going back to last season. So is he going to be a guy that you reduce that down to four or five? Is he still going to get six or seven? Like those kind of things matter um, quite a bit. And man, I, I can't wait to see what th- this is this is maybe the most pivotal season for the Panthers in terms of what direction this franchise is going to go that I can remember. You guys have probably been fans of the team a little bit longer than I have. I've been here for 5 years. Obviously know the Panthers before that, but but really in depth for the last few seasons and 
I don't know. I mean, can you remember another year where it felt like so much of the franchise hung in the balance in one season? I mean, head coach, Ron Rivera under pressure. I mean, obviously Cam. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. This to me is the – is a cornerstone season. I don't mean that in a positive, like this is the way we build around the season. This is, they either turn a corner or they continue down the same the same path. And I, the blinker is not on for them. If you skip through the first 12 minutes, you won't understand that <laughs> reference. Uh, but it, th- what's happening right now is they are either going to continue down the Cam Newton and Ron Rivera path with Marty Herney, and, or they're going to veer right and we're going to spend a year talking about how Cam Newton hasn't signed a new contract, and then he's going to go and play in, let's face it, probably Atlanta. And <laughs> uh, please don't make this the trailer. Everybody will hate me. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be a whole new fa- like literally. This is where the corner where the franchise either keeps going on this path or goes on this path. Well, I don't think that part of it's just about Cam either, because and and to this point we have seen it happen before when the Panthers. Um, in the late 90s when they transitioned from Dom Capers as GM to Seifert. They designed this entire front line around Sean Gilbert and Jason Peter, and then you end up switching the defense, which is what we seem to be in the process of doing now. Yeah. If if David Tepper is not committed to Ron Rivera and Marty Herning going forward, I don't know why you're switching this defense at this point in time. This is a, this is this is a time like if you if you think that they may be on the way out, then making a defensive switch and making a first round pick like Brian Burns, if you're then going to switch back to a four three defense, then you go where is he going to possibly play? Like that to me is where we're you know like you talk about prolonging the suffering. If you make these decisions with uh, with this defense and, and and then you switch coaches, then what what was it all for? That, that's interesting. Um, I would disagree a little bit in the sense that a lot of NFL teams are trying to find those Brian Burns types now. So he fits into kind of the modern NFL defense. You know, I, I'm sure you guys have talked about this in the last couple podcasts about 3-4, three, 4-3, four, four, three, all that stuff. It's, it's all anybody wants to talk about right now. The reality is in the NFL – so many of these teams are in sub-packages, and I'm not a coach. I'm not about to get LXs and Os on you. But, is this the new but, I'm not a coach segment? <laughs> I know. I have to always preface everything. I'm not this. I just I'm talk for a living. Things. I'm not married. Uh, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I just, I'm not I a do, coach. I basically do everything <laughs> but, to qualify. But I do like The Bachelor. <laughs> My opinions don't matter. Yes, unless it's – yeah, exactly. No, but I think – you know, 4-3 versus 3-4, this isn't like the Steelers back in the 90s where you just plug a 360-pound dude over the center and you have two ends that are going to be on, over top of the tackles. Like, it is about finding guys who are versatile. I mean, the Patriots have kind of changed the NFL with their ability to find players on offense who create mismatches. And now teams on defense have been trying to combat that for a long time. Some have had a lot of success with it. The Rams uh, have had a lot of success. The Chargers have had a lot of success uh, last season specifically. So I think, I think this is a bit of a... I don't want to say desperation by Ron, but it is a bit of a maneuver that hey, he already he demoted Eric Washington from play calls last year as a defensive coordinator, got rid of several staffers on the defensive line, and then took over the play calling. I think this is Ron going back a little bit to his roots. Remember, he did coach a 3-4 in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is him trying to maybe prove to Dave Tepper that, hey, I'm making changes Please let me keep let, making those let changes. Me make those right, changes. but that's, that's the that would be the potential problem if Tepper yeah. is not committed to him that you're switching because like Brian Burns to me in a four three doesn't work and I know what you're saying you're not wrong about the versatility thing mm-hmm. of it but if you're gonna I'm just saying you're switching your defense like Mario Addison is the guy that I look at right now and go I don't know where he fits and yet he was one of their best sure. sat guys 
a, a year ago. Has so, been has been and, one of their best sack guys for the past four years. And and so that guy now, you know, do you if you end up moving on from him or however this looks, you may end up switching your roster around to a three four and then bring somebody in that wants a four three. I just it's a very inter- there's there's a lot of flux right now because I sure. still expect that Tepper, you know, wants to hire his own guy. I, I still think that that looms at some point. And whether or not he's going to force, you know, Herney and Rivera out or whether he's going to let them finally run their course, we'll see. But I, I would – I mean, how do you not? How do you not want to buy a car and then set the presets to the radio stations you want to listen to, like 610? There you go. There's a lot of people I see uh, ever or hear from every day that want me out of there. So <laughs> I, hopefully nobody is uh, – That goes, th- comes th- with the territory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a valid point. I just – we don't know. We don't know what Dave Tepper's thinking. And mm-hmm. I, I, I've learned one thing about Tepper in the last year. He's very savvy and calculated. And he's not the kind of guy who's going to come in and I think absolutely upset the apple cart. I actually think there's a lot of similarities to when Steve Ballmer took over the Clippers. Because if you remember, you know, different situations. But it was kind of a dark time when there was an ownership transition from the Clippers to Ballmer, uh, from Donald Sterling to Ballmer, and then from Jerry Richardson to Tepper. You have a new progressive forward-thinking, charismatic owner who's not afraid to shake things up. But remember, they had Doc Rivers there. Doc Rivers was a proven coach. He had won a title, but it was a proven coach, and Ballmer gave him time. And it wasn't really rosy in L.A. They, they moved on from you know Blake Griffin. They mm-hmm. moved on from Chris Paul. Like, there was some change. But yet they kept the constant and a proven veteran head coach that he could kind of see that turnover through. So I'm not necessarily – I mean, they're two different guys. But I, to complete that analogy, I don't know if Ballmer is just going to go in here and if things are good, not great, I don't know that he's going to immediately try to blow it up. I mean, maybe he does. Maybe he does. I don't know. But I just think if he's the kind of calculated guy that I think he is, I hope that he thinks with a 360-degree view of this franchise and values stability as long as that's what's important to him. If they go 6-10, and it probably isn't a conversation. But yeah. 8-8, eight 9-7, eight, and seven, I feel like Tepper might see this thing through. Who knows? But to me, what they're doing, if this, this all goes back to that kind of that, that hinge season that we're at right, right now. You have so many guys that their contract is signed for through next season or the season afterwards between – Look at what they did this year in free agency. Daryl Williams, one-year deal. Bruce Irvin, one-year deal. Gerald McCoy, one-year deal. These are the kind of things that you maybe do when you need to win right now. Yeah. And if you're not going to win right now, then you're out because that that's the scenario for Marty Herney and Ron Rivera. And so that's why, to me, they're saying, okay, well, if if this doesn't work, we can make a clean break and a clean reset at the end of 2019, and if necessary, an even cleaner reset at the end of 2020. I think that's a great point. I think that's a really good point. I mean, they've kind of structured this roster so that they're flexible going into next season, mm-hmm. depending on what happens. And you know, they're even. You mentioned the guys they signed this year, but a couple key players are coming up. I mean, James Bradbury coming up. Yep. I imagine that extension is going to get done before the season, but you never know. And Mario Addison. <laughs> Um, you Shaq also Thompson. have Shaq Thompson, exactly. Yep. So, so there are a lot of guys on this team, key players, who either are brand new or have been here for a few years whose contracts are over after this year. There's a lot that can change in, in going into 2020. If things go well, which they very well might. Yeah. I mean, this Panthers team absolutely capable of making the playoffs and I think making a fairly deep run. Um, I think that this is just it's, – it's a really pivotal year 
uh, that could go. Man, it's just crazy how different so much this season fun. could go. Like how many different ways this year could go. The schedule's kind of interesting. Like you get the Rams right out of the gate, and then it kind of eases up a little bit. Like some potential to get off to a pretty good start like last year. And the Panthers better hope that happens because the second half of that schedule – I mean, between Green Bay and New Orleans twice, Atlanta twice, Indianapolis. I mean, I'm just doing this off the top of my head. I know there's another, you know, couple of games on the schedule. It's it could get dicey in the second half of the season. They need to get off to a good start. Let's look ahead to training camp. Um, let's talk about these battles. What are we going to see at free safety? Wow. Sorry, I hole the Sam Mills I got, statue, no. <laughs> the Mike McCormick <laughs> statue. I got so distracted. I'm sorry. So I one of the things that I know you were ready to move on, but and and it's totally fine. We can uh, before a month ago, before free agency had really kicked in, the Panthers were 50 to one to win the NFC, and they're currently 25 to one. So they're they're uh, and 25 to one, not a terrible bet. Uh, well, probably better than the Bears at seven and a half to one, but. That's just me. I know for me it was like two weeks ago that I just had one of those days where it was just all it was just pure optimism. It was like it was like a it was like a blooming flower, like too. an annual blooming flower, like the night blooming series. And I was like, you know, if McCoy comes in and he's a player, and you got Burns and Irving, and I was just talking, and then I was like, oh yeah, the free, oh yeah, free. You were safety. having that we're, moment yeah, where yeah. you were getting excited about football. Yes, it no, feels but good I, to get excited about this, football. This front seven, this front seven feels like it has the potential to be one of the most fun front sevens we've seen in a while probably and since like 2000 i mean two like th since oh man i can't i said 2013 like since probably is i mean really yeah i mean this one's more exciting than 2013 but yeah the, but that was a really good defensive year mm, that was a good defense so I, I'm I'm optimistic about where they can go or what they can be, but then again, we haven't seen them play, and that's what happens in in <laughs> July. And it's like you know we've watched Joe McCoy look look good in a four three. Now we're going to see how he looks in, you know in a three four. And um, but now are you now just to be clear, are you a coach? I am not a coach. Okay, all right. I'm not, <laughs> well, I just wanted to make sure. Of well, anything? well, I mean, it depends. Do I have a PlayStation controller in my hand? Because then <laughs> I am definitely the coach. Yeah. Um, no, I am not a coach. Doesn't but that I, make I, you the athlete? If you have it a controller, it makes hand? me the observer. But I wear, my, okay. I, but I do, I wear my credentials though. That's the, <laughs> um, this this defense, this free safety question is is the one that looms large for me because I'm excited about seeing Luke in a three. Four, like we, I feel like that's something we haven't even talked about. Right. All of a sudden, you've got him out there directing traffic in a three four, and if if he is judging and saying, "All right, I think I'm going to fire these guys," like I'm here for that experiment. Yeah. <laughs> like we could talk about Cam Scrolder, but I'm here to see Luke firing off a 3-4 defense at the line of scrimmage. That sounds like a lot of fun to me, particularly when you've got a veteran on one side like Irvin. You've got talented guys up front. There's that, that front three, we'll see if the sack totals you know, are there. I, but in a 3-4, a lot of times you'll see those numbers you know, distributed to, more to the linebackers. But I think that front three, if Don Terry Poe pulls his weight, no pun intended, hmm. then I, th I think this, this front seven has a chance to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the question of free safety is not – I don't know whether I've just kind of acquiesced to the fact that Rashawn Galden is probably going to be the safety w week one or whether I've kind of drank the Kool-Aid a little bit of they, they drafted this guy in the third round to start at free safety. They gave him a year to learn behind a, a veteran, a ve an extra veteran, Mike <laughs> Adams, uh, and, and kind of learn because – 
to play safety, you don't necessarily – the physical tools are always going to be there. The guy knows how to hit. The guy knows how to tackle. The guy has the speed to, to run with people. It's more about what's between the ears and being able to figure out where he's supposed to be. And, okay, so if this wide receiver goes over here, then he's my responsibility, and I've got the back third, and or I've got the front third, and, and all that stuff. That's what's mo- so much more important. So after a year of being able to adjust to that and learn – what he, where he needs to be and playing next to another veteran in Eric Reed, hopefully you can either play average enough to allow the very talented front seven to do their thing. If you don't make huge mistakes back there, I think that's really all you need from Rashawn Galden because you can't have 22 all pros on the roster. It just doesn't work that way in the NFL. So if he is replacement level, if he has a good VORP, then I think we're fine. <laughs> VORP? Yeah, that's good, you. right? Look at you. That's a baseball term, but I used it for football. Yeah, I think I'm it's not, fine. I'm, I'm not a big baseball guy. I, I'm. I love basketball analytics. You're gonna have to teach me about the baseball stats later because I, I don't know what VORP means, but it's, that's okay. I think it's value over replacement player, okay, right? They, well, okay, thought, but don't they have WAR? What's the difference? WAR wins is over wins above replacement. What's the difference? Don't have, tell me right now. No, okay. I don't. Not, I don't know. Math. So, so, math. Sorry, math nerds. We're not gonna. Yeah, we're not gonna please com- you right it's now. It's a common core thing, I believe. Uh, <laughs> sure. Um, they changed math. So. As far as free safety goes, here's two things I'd be concerned about. One, uh, Golden got a lot of snaps early in the season last year, and they dropped in a hurry. Like within four weeks, all of a sudden he was off the field. That tells me they gave him a shot, and they lost confidence in him. I would be more encouraged if it went the other way. Even if it was special team snaps, it was just – hey, Golden, we're going to ease you in, and then all of a sudden we're going to work you more and more into the rotation as the season went. It's not like Mike Adams was going to make the Pro Bowl last year. I mean, I, Golden could have, could have seen the field more, and he really didn't until week uh, 17 in that you know, throwaway game against the Saints. So I'm a little nervous about that, just how well does he adapt to what they're teaching him? Like how, how well is he kind of learning the system? Um, so he, this is a critical year for him to do that. The second thing is, they obviously made a big gamble on, on putting pressure on the quarterback. I mean, that, that's what they've done. They have decided, instead of spending big on the secondary, I mean, they did lock Reed up early on an affordable deal. I thought it was a good deal for Eric Reed. Yeah, they turned made out a, to be a great they, deal. Yeah, I mean, they made a big bet on adding pass rushers. Uh, Irvin, McCoy, Brian Burns. Um, I read something really interesting last week in uh, Peter King's column. It was a guest column from Pro Football Focus, and a guy was talking about how it's actually almost more important if all other, other things are equal to have a better secondary than it is to have a better pass rush because in the league today, so many quarterbacks, especially in the NFC South, get the ball out of their hands quickly. So you're not necessarily dealing with quarterbacks who are going to be under a lot of duress. It's about how well do you cover, how well do you tackle in space, and eliminating those plays from becoming big plays. Um, obviously Drew Brees is the best at this. I mean, Brees and Brady are the best at getting the ball out of their hands quickly. So I get why the Panthers did what they did and, and went after some of those guys who can rush the passer. I'm very concerned about not just Golden. I don't know if you were going to get to this or not, but, but the slot corner as well. I mean, yeah. slot corner is, is a starting position in the NFL now. It is not nickel corner, bring them in as a substitute. Like That is a position. You've got to have guys who can cover the slot. You mentioned, you know, the statue of Sam Mills. Like, who's gonna who's gonna play the slot corner? Is it is it Ross Cockrell? Because that guy couldn't walk six months ago. I mean, where where are we with that position? That that's what worries me a lot. And these have been the same two positions for a decade now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it I was like in our pre-draft <laughs> podcast, you had a whole rant on this, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it really is. It's been shooting guard and safety. <laughs> yes. <this time>. <laughs> <laughs> You're not lying. I, I think it's – so the problem for nickel corner, for, for slot corner sure. and free safety, 
the answer somehow on the roster is the same. It's Rashawn Golden right. for both. So it's like he is either going to be the starting free safety or he's going to be the starting slot corner. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any – because he can't do both, and there are going to be plenty of time when both of those guys need to be on the field. So whether it's going to be uh, Ross Cockrell or Kevon Seymour or somebody like out of nowhere like Cole Luke that's been on the roster for a really long time who – as of right now, I think kind of makes a lot of sense to them because Ron Rivera has kept him around for a long time. He was injured. He actually made the roster as their starting slot corner in 17 yeah. and then got hurt and then was on the P squad after they after Munderland was back. So it's like there's this is a guy that I think makes a lot of sense and has been in the league enough where you could put him out there. Now, the problem is, is they play nickel 70% of the time. Yeah. So that's a lot of snaps yeah. for somebody for your worst defender. Sorry, Cole, if you're listening to be on the field. <laughs> well, I think that's yeah. an interesting part of this is we talked about being in sub package, but if you've got Brian Burns and you've got Shaq Thompson, what percentage of the time are they the guy that draws that nickel corner assignment on any given play? I hope it's because not that often. You, you wouldn't. You wouldn't want. I mean, do some, gosh, if Alvin Kamara is out in the slot, yeah. Or are you comfortable put, with with Brian Burns covering him in the slot? I mean, well, we're gonna we're gonna find out. We are. Yeah. We're, gonna <laughs> find <laughs> out. <laughs> we're gonna find out. The Saints by, are gonna uh, move him. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, it's gonna be tough. It, do I do I feel worse about that than I do about Thomas Davis covering Alvin Kamara? Well, no. I, th I don't think we can say anything <laughs> bad about him. Now, oh, that's right. right. That's is right. the are statue the up yet? Or? Are we in the grace period? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, is it too soon? Not till yeah. season two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what that. do you guys think really yeah. quickly? We don't spend a lot of time on this, but David Amerson was just cut by we the Cardinals. We have so much time. <laughs> David mm -hmm. Amerson was just cut by the Cardinals. He's a kid. He's actually from Greensboro, mm -hmm. uh, if you're into that sort of thing. You like the local kids. Um, he was a state, so great. Oh, not is this not a state friendly podcast? <laughs> I mean, is there such a thing? Yeah, that's a good I point. Um, they have, do they know how to they work on the farms? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. Um, Sorry, what's gonna happen sooner, a state podcast or a state ACC championship? <laughs> I'm, I'm just waiting on that. It's been about 30 years for yeah. either one. Um, so they're I got my state shots, they, they're working on one, but it's all gonna be about Carolina. Hey, Kevin Keats is a winner, okay? He's a winner. <laughs> Um, David Amerson, listen, he's he's a guy who's kind of bounced around a couple teams now. He had a, four interceptions, I think, his second or third year in the league. But he set the ACC record for interceptions in college. Like, he has good ball skills, which is something that James Bradbury hasn't really shown that he can do. So do you put a guy, maybe bring him in, try him out at slot corner? Is he a guy who can make your defense more opportunistic? I mean, at this point, you're, probably, you're just plugging yeah. things in to see if they work. I just don't think it could hurt to to give a guy like that a shot in camp. He's he's bigger than I think you would typically true, true. want out of a Could you slide Dante in? That, well, you know what I mean? or, yeah, but I, I I won't. Don't you ideally want him on the outside? I mean, it, and, so that it, slot corner position is really important. I mean, some, sometimes the slot receiver is the best guy on the field. Yeah, you, you, you never know. Yeah, I, I just would rather have him out there. You know, consistently. I think at, sure. at number two, it, it, but all of these guys, it goes back to who's the guy that they've developed out of this secondary. Who's the guy that has come? I mean, I guess Bradbury's Bradbury. the best case. Bradbury. Bradbury's the best case. But it's like you look at offensive line. They've, they've kicked these guys around, and, and we've had multiple guys come through, develop, become better players. With this secondary, it feels like it's been a revolving door of seventh-round picks that never have mattered or ultimately culminated anything. That's the, that's the part I have uh, my concern with, like, believing in Galden or believing in – you know, Cole Luke or whoever else, just because they don't really have a track record on that back end. I don't know. I mean, they drafted a, a guy who they put the franchise tag on and then ultimately rescinded it. But, I mean, he was a pretty good cornerback. Like, that, if you're looking at, like, the guys that they have drafted in the past, you have – Well, and I'm talking about the guys in the secondary that, that have been brought in to be brought along slowly. To be, I mean, 
Well, Josh, I mean, Josh yeah. Norman's Josh Norman's perfect is a fine example, and that, that same model they hit with Bradbury too. I mean, I think I look at them as similar players. Norman uh, more interceptions, but uh, the rest of these guys, it, it seems like we keep hoping that one of these guys is going to break through, and then they have to go get an Eric Reed out of free agency. They haven't, you know, they're having to draft Dante Jackson. They've had a bunch of guys back there that we just haven't seen get over that hump. Whereas I look at other positions again, the offensive line, and you can go down a list of guys that have or the defensive line to be yeah. fair. I mean, defensive lines developed a ton of guys too. I, I, I do see where you're coming from. Well, they just, they've, they've tried, I guess the thing is, and, and we said this, I try to do a lot of things. No, life, no, Josh. we, it we, no, I'm successful. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. You built That's deck successfully. I did. Absolutely. I did. Hasn't fallen yet. The thing is, is that it, they, they have tried though, right? They've, yes. they've gone like, and they just have missed. And, that, to me, one of the things that I have learned over the past two years, the more draft research I do, the the more I see that it is next to impossible to hit on somebody after the top 50 picks. And even in the top 50, it's really hard. Yeah. Like, there like there are the number of guys that are drafted in the first round, Kelvin Benjamin, and are not in the league anymore <laughs> after their first rookie contract is staggering. Yeah. Staggering. Like, Vernon Butler was a guy that, that – Probably is not going to be back here after his after this year. And would you be surprised if he's signing for the vet minimum somewhere? If he's like struggling for a spot on a defensive tackle rotation, I wouldn't be like these guys that are that you're drafting in the first round are like and they're out of the league in four years. So so to say like oh well they haven't been able to hit it on anybody in the third round and it's like well I mean do most pe- do most teams hit on somebody in the third well, no, round? But, but, I, but we're also not making a case that he's been sitting around studying the playbook for a year and all the things. Like that's all I'm saying is that I haven't seen uh, someone develop with this time. Like we, it seems like whether you know, we've we, I, we've gone through a, a dozen mm. of these okay. guys. I see what you're where saying. Where it's like, oh, we're going to bring in yeah. Kelvin Hayden or whatever, and and over time he's going to become. And then it's like, uh, no, not really. I mean, I don't know. And spotlights on Perry Fuel. I mean, comes yeah. in as a new secondary coach. Obviously, a really, I think, good resume for a position coach mm-hmm. like that. I think that's going to be priority number one for him is developing, obviously, Golden. I mean, that that's the key. That's the well, X factor I, I of the secondary. I would say Dante Jackson. But Dante, be, too. Dante would be number one. I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, you think so? You think it would be more so. important? I think Dante Because obviously more, you want Dante to become you know, yeah. an elite sh- shutdown corner. But Well, especially with Bra- Bradbury and, and Dante. I feel like Dante has more of a playmaker sure. mentality. So I think, oh, yeah. it, to me, ultimately, defense is in this day and age. It's it's about stopping people in the red zone and getting turnovers, and I think you have more of a chance of that with Dante. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree with you. I think that's an but I think they're I think both it's important. It's a really well thought of uh, that this this idea that they brought in a second another secondary coach to basically develop all of this young talent because there is a ton of yeah. young talent. No, whether you whatever you think of Bradbury, whatever you think of Dante Jackson, whatever you think of Kevon Seymour, what like all these guys, these are all young players that you can mold and make better from a technique standpoint. You can turn them into you can take Dante Jackson from a good rookie corner to an elite level shutdown corner. And if you can make that leap, that is how you turn this defense from good to great. And I don't know. To me, it's like you look at Ross Cockrell. I think he fits better as an outside corner than as an inside corner. A lot of people are just slotting him in because that's what you would do on Madden. Because right. it's like, well, he's the highest rated. Yeah, put him out there. That's kind of what I mean to go back a little bit because I think it's an interesting discussion. Like we were using Emerson as the proxy here, but like Dante Jackson can be your your number two corner, and if you're in your base defense, he's on the field. 
But if they come out in a three or four wide package and you bring on that extra DB, could you slide Dante in to defend the slot and then whoever that other guy is, Cockrell, Amerson, whoever, be that outside corner, that maybe bigger, more physical corner to take on that number two receiver? Like, do you think there's validity to that? Because that's kind of where I would see with Dante is if you don't trust any of those other guys to guard the, the, the Alvin Kamaras of the world or the uh, Chris Godwins, uh, you know, from, from yep. Tampa Bay, like – or, heck, Calvin Ridley, for that matter. I mean, who's going to be a slot receiver for, for Atlanta this season? That would be where I would go is maybe you make those kind of maneuvers. I don't know. I mean, you're shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic, it feels like. Well, it's also like aren't we at the point now where so when this team was owned by Jerry Richardson, you would 100% be like, well, Rashawn Galden is going to start at free safety yeah. and somebody's going to start at nickel corner. But how – like we're – I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we, I feel like I said this a ton of times last year that it's like you don't – it wouldn't be surprising to me if halfway through training camp, Tepper was like, go out and sign somebody. Right. Go out and get a nickel cornerback because Cole Luke, Kevon Seymour, uh, Ross Cockrell are not getting the job done. We need somebody else. Go out and get somebody or else when Chris Godwin scores a touchdown, you are getting fired because you didn't go out there and sign somebody. I, that very well could happen, and that that's been the Tepper influence. They haven't been afraid to go out and make those those kind of signings. No I don't way. know that the Gerald McCoy signing happens under the old regime. No I, way. I, I think there's almost not. no way. No. Absolutely not. So, so I, I think you're spot on with that. I, I could see them making a, a move as late as, like you said, midway through the – or, heck, week four. They did it with Eric Reed last year. Yep. I mean, you get you get a couple weeks into the season – Oh, no. If Colin Jones has to play, then hey, let's go get hey, Eric Reed. Hey, hey I, li- I like Colin. <laughs> he makes I like plays Colin. every are, time he's out there. We he's are a, a Colin a, Jones <laughs> positive podcast. Oh, no. Okay. I'm going to have uh, – it's been the, really fun, guys. Um, you're in the I'll, Jones jungle here. All right. The real it's question the is: Jones, The real Jones question Jones is: Jungle, is that a thing? <laughs> does, does he get? We're making sure. How much beer have you had? Jones okay. Jungle and the Man Hurts Hive is here. Now, does Colin Jones contract. get a defensive statue and a special team statue That's outside great, the gosh. stadium? Just wow, man. Colin Jones fan club. Our, our, okay. our next topic. <laughs> Let's spend twenty minutes now on we'll Colin. Spend twenty minutes on him. Looking at some of these other battles that you're going to see at training camp, though, what are, do you think are some of the most intriguing? I think the question for me is how it's more is less of uh, a battle and more of like a health question and like okay. is Daryl Williams going to be okay because and not only is Daryl Williams going to be okay but where is he going to play I think we're all just kind of like slotting him in at this left guard spot but it's like I don't know I've never seen him play left guard like I I, I just would like to see them out on the field a little bit let's let's get all those five guys let's get Moten uh, Williams Paradis. Turner and Little out on the field for even a preseason game and put them all out there and let's see what their jerseys look like and let's sure, make sure that none of their knees buckle underneath them before we go slotting him into left guard, who, by the way, Greg Van Roten was, uh, I mean, we're also a GVR positive podcast, but he was, <laughs> he was, who again, same thing, can't have 22 all pros. Yeah. And he was acceptable at left guard. And I would rather have a 100% healthy Greg Van Roten, the only guy who played 100% of the snaps last year, then maybe uh, Daryl Williams, who whose knee is 70%. I, I would agree. I mean, because – I feel like you and I are like right here I know, on the we same are. page. Same name, Patsico. same takes. Yeah. This is great. I, I just think the offensive line is, is critical. And we saw even last season on paper – it looked okay yeah. going into August. It and looked great. Three days into camp, Cee yep. goes down, Darrell Williams goes down, and all of a sudden you're – talk about shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. I mean, that was like a massive 
DEFCON 1 like problem for this team. And as, as you mentioned Van Roten, but if they suffered you know, a couple injuries on the offensive line again, where do they turn? I mean, yeah. Tyler Larson, Van Roten, those are nice guards. I don't really know what the answer is at tackle. Uh, is Chris Clark still alive? Is he He's around? on a deck chair uh, uh, okay. <laughs> right now. Yeah, he, yeah, he probably is. But the good thing <laughs> is he can bring his Uber <laughs> to the stadium and just start filling in. Oh, man. I mean, seriously, though, that I think the depth on the offensive line is maybe – I know we talked a lot about the, the secondary, but, man, that injuries happen on the O-line. Every, no, every team goes through it, and it, in that – can make or break a team season. I don't think the Cardinals were going to make the playoffs last season, but they started 11 different combinations on the O-line. It's a big reason why they picked first in the NFL draft is you just – you. it's very hard to find in today's NFL. Coaches talk about this all the time. The way college football has changed so much, guys don't enter the league really ready to, to – block in NFL-style systems because they're so used to playing these spread, wacky Big 12 offenses and all this stuff. So being able to find eight guys you can trust on the offensive line is really hard to do. So I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, Darrell Williams, if, if he can be uh, even just a net neutral at left guard, that that's a win for the Panthers. And, of course, he needs to stay healthy. That That's really, really critical going into fall. I look at this offense and feel like they're best suited to handle a bad offensive line as they've been with Cam because of the, the, the imp- – emphasis they put on the the young weapons yeah. and, and I'm looking at I want Olsen and, and I'm really Ian Thomas is the guy that to me is kind Could of afford a to miss minicamp the best uh, no <laughs> he's he to me is that second tight end position could really be a linchpin for this offense it mm-hmm. helps shore up you know any offensive line uh concerns you have you can now you can fire him or Greg Olsen off on, on on a passing route I I look at Ian Thomas in that second tight end position as being if he and or, you know, the man hurts hive. That's right. Can, Print the can, shirts. Can solidify that that position. And, and goodness knows we may need one of them to solidify the, the number one spot at some point. Uh, if they're able to do that, I think this offense – Grant, if you get decimated by injuries on the offensive line, it, it happens. But I think they're better suited, better capable to handle with this team right now. Well, this was the thing that I that I thought of last year is, like, was this team ever going to win with when you lose your top three tackles in training camp? Like, you're – uh, like ha- yeah. it's next to impossible, and theoretically, your top four, if depending on where you put Silatolo on the depth chart, this year their top three tackles are a rookie, a guy that played for one half last <laughs> year, uh, Taylor Moten, who was great, and a sixth round pick. Those are their tackles, four of them, and it's like, um, yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. and and so uh, my question, like. I, I just I'm a little that optimism that Colin had two weeks yeah, ago. Sorry, just sorry. If you, yeah, <laughs> if you shut off the podcast at minute 45, we're like going to the Super Bowl. Gerald McCoy's buying everybody ice cream. Puppies, but it, kittens, and unicorns. But it's like I think that. So my question that I've been wondering that I've been kind of kicking around is: we all have been like slotting in Daryl Williams at left guard. What happens if Daryl Williams is going to be the starting left tackle, and you just let Greg Little be kind of the backup swing, and then he can learn for a year? You signed Daryl for one year, right? So you signed him to this one-year deal, and theoretically, you drafted his 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 kind of heir apparent in the mm-hmm. second round this year. Yeah, you traded up for him, but if you traded up for a guy like a Taylor Moten, who you drafted in the second round, sat for a year, and now is your starting tackle. That seems like an okay. T- uh, turn of events to me like a blueprint yeah um i don't love the idea of trading up for a backup in the second round that's i fair. mean it is what it is well, yeah initially, you know though, like if, if if in year three he's still there that's a problem no yeah sure sure I, I i think kind of circling back to something we talked about a little earlier but 
the how pivotal this season is and everything that's riding on this year for Ron and, and for this team, they're in win-now mode. And, and if you're using draft capital, they had that extra third-round pick. They gave it up to move up. It, that's dangerous when there were other guys on the board who could have contributed this season. Chauncey like, Carter. Like, like, correct, who's yeah. having apparently a very good camp right now in New Orleans. I'm not bitter about it, but that's okay. So I, I think that it would be – I don't want to say a bad look. I mean, it, it is what it is. Like I said, if, if Littles gets into camp and the team decides he's not ready, let's let's give Daryl a shot out there, okay. I mean, you got to do it. You, you can't – I don't think they can be prisoners of their own mistakeness. I don't want to say mistake, but you know what I mean, like prisoners of their own, well, Greg Little, we drafted him, so he's got to start. No, you're going to have to put the best five guys out there. That's what John Matsko is going to have to do. So, I, I, man, when you when you put it that way about the tackles, Sorry. That that's but, that is bleak, man. Sorry. Like that, all, I I never thought about it that way, and now I'm like, oh gosh. But no, this, this is scarier than I thought. But nobody yeah. feels good <laughs> about yeah, your beer. offensive line. It's impossible <laughs> to feel good about your offensive line. It I feel great is. about the top five guys on the depth chart, and when we're playing Madden, that I'm gonna it, right. Cam <laughs> right. is gonna have a ton of time back there. Right. But you're the the big two offensive lining signings were a guy that didn't play for the second half of the season, and a guy that didn't play for the entire season. Don't forget this team averaged over five yards of carry last season. And led the with NFL Chris, in with yards. Chris Clark, uh, right? With Chris, with Chris Clark, and, and a quarterback that couldn't throw the ball more than seven yards down. Yeah, they weren't. Yeah, teams were stacking the box. So I, I think this team's going to be a really good team on the ground. Um, How did that work? Like, uh, because yeah. because offensive line because I mean, McCaffrey's because what, a god. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Is that Clark, the right answer? <laughs> well, because you, yes. you can get rid of the ball quickly. I mean, Cam can get rid of the ball, and you don't yeah. rush him. As, I mean, you can. There's a lot of things you can do. I mean, Drew Brees for for years has had. You know, they've they've invested in offensive line and then had those guys get injured too, and he's sitting back there running for his life. We've certainly benefited from those from those games against the Saints. It's just I just don't think in this day and age, the only team, literally the only team that feels good about their offensive line at any point over the last five years was really the Cowboys. Yeah, and and it didn't do anything, and that's just because they invested all the capital, and then Frederick gets hurt, and all of a sudden it's like, well, great. But we invested all this capital. So even the team that truly did it, that went to the to the furthest you can go, basically with an offensive line, you know, they had injuries and it didn't end up, you know, panning out for them. Yeah. It's just it's just the nature of the beast. So much of the stupid NFL is just is literally just luck. Yes, one hundred percent. Like, well, the guy didn't, you know, put his foot down on somebody's ankle and break an ankle. Uh, like, yeah, a hundred percent. He got rolled like, up, but it was the right. It was the he right got rolled angle up and he was, and was fine. Than, yeah. Like Cam got hit on the shoulder, but it was two inches too low, so he's totally fine. He's throwing for touchdowns as we speak. Yeah. We're gonna speed round the rest of these. Mm. So. Are we going to ask where Russell Wilson's going to play this year? Is that one of the speed round questions? <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. Who's his backup? Doesn't matter. Okay. Right? Yep. I think <laughs> it's Brett Hundley. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Comes back around. Comes back around. All right. We're going to speed around the rest of these. Backup running back. Um, I think that it is, uh, I don't know, Elijah Holyfield and Cameron Arspain. Sure. Um, I really I'll go with that. I really like Holyfield. Um, I, uh, okay, I will say not Cameron Artis Payne. If it is, there's a problem. Mm. But they got to see what they have in him. Yeah, it's right? true. We got to see what we have. But yeah, don't oh you think, gosh. like, doesn't that just seem like the most Ron Rivera situation yes. is you just keep ca- <laughs> well, cap true. on the roster again true. at the minimum? Does he drive for everybody? Like, is that what his deal is? He's like, he's like, all right, guys, pile in. I'll drive us home. Like, is that, what has he got? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think I don't know. Good locker team. room guy, though. Really, I'm, just great guy. I'm on Team Holyfield. I, I think it's Holyfield or Scarlet. Yeah. Uh, if you like Elijah Holyfield, I would encourage you to check out It Is What It Is, where running back Elijah Holyfield was our last guest here on 
the Riot Network. Did You're you know so his dad's famous? <laughs> we he talked on, about it. He was on my kickball team. <laughs> on your kickball team, I like that. He came <laughs> on. He came on with with Nick Mickey's and I on the ninjas. radio one day. Uh, uh, Vander did. Wasn't great. We were, we were really excited for the interview, and Evander wasn't really into it, so Aww. we uh, punted on that one. But, you know, you can't <laughs> win them all. What about the last two wide receivers? Um, Who are we locking in? Uh, Obviously, Tori and oh, – or uh, not Tori. Whoa, 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 oh, not Tori. Oh, oh. Obviously so Curtis, Josh is locking in Tori uh, No, 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 no. <laughs> you heard it. Obviously, Tori. What am I talking yeah. about? Obviously, Curtis and DJ. Who else are you locking in? I, Jarius? To, I think Jarius, right? Okay. I, I, that's to me Jarius the guy right. that, Hogan's yeah. Hogan's oh. not a lock, for sure. You think he's not a lock? Not a lock. Wow. Agreed. I mean, wow. based on what? Would, why would he be a lock? I mean, it, it, I don't think I don't think anybody's a lock. I think there are, there are four guys fighting for two slots, maybe three slots, maybe. But it's like Chris Hogan, Torrey Smith, Aldrick Robinson, and I guess Rashad Ross. Rashad Ross to me screams camp body that everybody falls in love with because he returns a preseason punt for a touchdown and then gets cut. We don't return preseason punts for touchdowns. Uh, Demir Bird did. And where did it get him? Uh, apparently he's killing it in Arizona. Hey, the Cardinals <laughs> love him right now. I saw something where they were like all about <laughs> Demir Bird. I was like, well, that sums up the Cardinals season yep. right now. <laughs> good, good luck to you. Um, wait, so who makes it? So who are you uh, taking? I'll say Chris Robinson. Chris Robinson. Uh, lead singer of the Black Crows and <laughs> um, Hulk Hogan. Um, I think Chris Hogan and uh, Torrey Smith. Ooh, so, both of them. So sure. We, so Samuel Moore and, and Wright are the three that are the three that are going to play. Are guaranteed. Uh, I actually think I, I I'm I'm still support my guy Terry Godwin. Wow. Okay. I'm still support. They him really over, liked him in camp. O- over Chris yeah. Hogan. He could be I, a practice I, squad yeah. guy though. Don't I, that's what I think. I think he hit he he's a practice squad guy. But the, it, I think he's rookie Jerry's right. Jerry's right. Ooh, Wright. I like that's it. Wow. So I you like think Jerry's right is not going to? No, I think this 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 might be the handoff year. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, okay. The baton. I like that. I like I like that one a lot. I I would say. Am I forgetting someone? So is it, it it's Tory Hogan and then obviously the top three. Tory Hogan. You said Aldrich Aldrich Robinson. Robinson yeah, okay. Is, I guess Tory like, and Chris could both make it. I don't think Aldrich Robinson. I think uh, to me, so when Tory Smith was still making five million dollars and they signed Tor- Aldrich Robinson, I was like, oh well. Now this now like sure. I, I never thought his roster spot was in danger before sure. that. But now and then once he took the pay cut, it's like I mean they could still cut him. Uh, I, I don't know actually. I think his money is guaranteed now, so. I don't think that. Yeah, I, I would say I'll do I don't know. It. Yeah, say I don't remember if it is or not. But either way, that's a that's a solid top five. There's not a number one guy. There's not a Julio. There's not a Michael Thomas. There's not a Mike Evans. But Which, um, there's something to be said for having a variety of weapons. Don't you guaranteed don't, three million? Okay. For a yeah, yeah he's, probably, he's probably good then. Like, who is the number one that would be the number one on this offense over Christian McCaffrey? Like, is passing there, game? Yeah. Like, who is a number one receiver that would that based on the way this offense is? I, I don't think they they they're set up to need or want. Do I? Can one. I have a hot take? Sure. Yes. I, think, I think it's Curtis Samuel. I don't. Th- everybody's pointing to DJ Moore. Not that hot over Cur- here. You, you you guys big on Sam- over Moore? Because I feel like most people kind of have anointed DJ Moore as the like the next Steve Smith. Right. That's like what I keep hearing. Yeah. Oh, but, but, that was because Steve, Steve Smith, Smith anointed, anointed him. him. Well, yeah. right. So yeah, I guess when you get it from the guy himself, <laughs> it's not really that uh, bold of a take. But with Samuel. Listen, the guy uh, tapered off towards the end of the season, but over his first, like, six games, he had more touchdowns per touch than anyone in the league. I mean, he was the most explosive player in the NFL, and I- I've called him Diet Tyreek Hill. I'm starting that right now. Not the bad part, the off-the-field stuff. Forget about that. Di- on Tyre- the field, he's Diet Tyreek Hill. I think he's going to fill that kind of role on this team. 
I think he really is. I think he's a guy that he's a human joystick. You can put him in the backfield. You can put him at receiver. He played one year at Ohio State where he was a legitimate wide receiver. Mm-hmm. The first two years, he was running the football more than he was catching the football. Injuries caught up to him in his rookie season. The heart condition cost him the beginning, really, of camp and then, of course, of the first few weeks of the season last year. This guy, it, it, there's so much untapped potential in him. I know for a fact the coaching staff is thrilled that he might get the opportunity to, to really be featured in this offense as a receiver. Yep. Don't forget the fact this guy has had very little time practicing with Cam mm-hmm. yeah. because Cam was limited in practice this entire second half of last year. They've had so few reps together. That matters. And I think the chemistry that they could build yeah. over the ne- over August over that they've had you know, in this last mini camp last week, but then especially going into training camp, you start to get those two guys on the same page. Mm-hmm. I really do feel like there's a really high ceiling for a guy like that uh, in, in today's NFL. I think he could be – other than McCaffrey, because McCaffrey's a clear number one. Other than McCaffrey, I think he could be that, I think, breakthrough player that might end up being the, the best tool in this offense other than CMC. And when you look at last season, the best part of the year when they were playing well, when they were 5-1, and one, was it 5-1 and one were the best? 5-1, 6-2. the 6-2 part. But that period was Samuel had come back, and they had DJ Moore, CMC, and Samuel, yep. and that was the best they had looked. And and I forget we've was talked it, about was that Baltimore the first half of the Ravens game oh, when man, they just like yeah. up and down the field. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah I me. remember like I couldn't. I was trying. I was trying to write because spoilers. I'll take you behind the curtain. You write the game story as the game's going on. <laughs> and I like couldn't catch up with the touchdowns. They were just scoring on every, not only on every drive, like just immediately. It was just like oh, and Curtis Samuel just scored. Oh, and DJ Moore just scored. Oh, and it's just like what. What's happening? Like this, this team is, uh, and everybody, and I didn't cover the team in 2015. Everybody was like, "Oh, this is what 2015 felt like, where they just couldn't be stopped." And then all of a sudden they could. But <laughs> it, it was, it had that feeling where it's like, "Oh man!" Like, and that was against the number one defense in the NFL at the time. And we're North Turner was a genius and a god, and right. and it was yeah, it, MVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, we did a stat on on the podcast at the time about the when those three touched the ball like on a drive, that their their touchdown percentage was ridiculous. Wow. Those, when when Moore, CMC, and Samuel all had a touch on an offensive drive, they Probably because when Samuel touched, he scored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like every time Samuel got the ball as a touchdown. So if the other two touched, it doesn't matter because Samuel was – he really did score on like oh, yeah. 25% yeah. of his it was touches one, It was one every year. four touches yeah, for, for a while. They, it have, was, they have really talented guys that also really complement each other well. And then when you have an Olsen or somebody in the middle okay. as, the, as that safety valve, this, uh, this offense – is if it should be it's this should be a fun year. I'm back. I'm back. Oh, we're <laughs> back. back. I don't care about free safety. This offense is going to carry the day. Everybody's healthy. I'm back. I'm yeah, telling every, you. I'm telling you. We haven't seen him make a bad play in months. It, this is <laughs> this is what happens come middle of June. You're just sitting there and you're going. You know what? Everyone could be great this year. And I'm there. I'm back. You're they, back? I'm back. They are going to be very fun to play with on Madden. You cannot argue yeah, with that. Yeah, great I Madden mean, team. A lot of smoke, a lot of, lot of tunnel screens. Like, I would just be <laughs> running it constantly. It's going to be fun. Um, do you want to do Ed Rusher real quick? Quick. Oh, I've <laughs> sure. Uh, Brian Burns? No. Uh, I think, like, my question is, like, are one of these guys like F.A. Abada or Marquise Haynes or, like, are they going to step up and actually get play time, or is it just going to be Brian Burns, Mario Addison, Bruce Irvin, and I guess Christian Miller, maybe. But like, they got to have one of those other guys has to. I like be on I roster. like I like Miller a little more than I like Haynes. I I loved okay. Christian Miller might have been my favorite pick of the whole draft. I just think he was a guy who was underused at Alabama. I, th- I think he's going to be really good. 
Um, maybe, maybe not as a rookie, like there might be a little yeah. bit, but I think long term, like he certainly projects better than, than Marquise Haynes does coming out. I mean, not, you know, uh, yeah. is this a Marquise Haynes friendly no, podcast? No, are, are you a scout? Are you a scout? Listen, I'm not a scout. I've actually never watched football before, but I really like Christian Miller. I, I'm worried. My, like, I, I know. OTAs, minicamp, you don't worry about these injuries, but it's like it worries me that he battled this hamstring thing for his entire college career, and then minicamp he's sure. like out with a hamstring. And it's just like, ah, like it's just not what you want to see. That's all I'm saying. Like, I, I like obviously could, you know, once we get to September, we could never be talking about his hamstring. Right. And it's totally fine. But it's just to me, it's like that's why he dropped in the draft. Right. Say so he would have gone higher if it yeah. weren't for that question. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he looks like a guy that because of, Growing up with an NFL dad and being around the game and going yeah, to Alabama, he looks, all like this, he, he looks like he looks the part, and you feel more comfortable. Like you said, Galden got his chance in those first four weeks. I I firmly expect Miller to get those, you know, that chance in those first four weeks, yeah, and we'll see if they if they lose faith in him or if he you know becomes a guy. Because I think this is as excited as I am about this front seven. I do think it's going to be a lot of guys with a couple sacks. You know, I don't I don't yeah. think it's going to be. I don't think Bruce Irvin's going to have. 14 and, you know, be, oh, no. you know, something like that. that like, I think it's going to be four here, three here, two yeah. and a half here um, from, from a lot of guys. Time for a break, right? Everybody, everybody catch your breath, refill your beer. Get when we beer? come back, we're talking Kemba and then it's game time. Oh. Daniel Jones booed off the field in New York. Is there or is there not beef between Gerald McCoy and the Bucks? We're also talking Team 9, Hall of Fame quarterbacks that should or should not be there, and I already hate pass interference challenges. It's not what you think, Thursdays at noon, here on the Riot Network. And we are back, and it's time for the Hornets debate you've been waiting for. <laughs> Three minutes. Josh Purcell and Colin Hogg are debating whether Kemba should return. Do we let the guests go first? Is that... No, no, you know Start. Colin was fired up. I want to let Colin take the floor. Sell the team with Colin Hawker. Go. It is, it is time. <laughs> it is time to watch Kemba. It's time to wave. Take him to Charlotte Douglas Airport. Wave to him and wish him well. Because the best chance the Hornets fans have for success next season is to watch Kemba Walker in a different jersey playing well in the playoffs. Yeah. Is that is that your argument? Is that no, it? No, I, I mean, it's okay. Time. I was like, wow, <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's, that's succinct. It. I like it. It's time. It's time. Yeah. I, it has nothing to do with Kemba. It has nothing to do. Well, it does have to do with the fact that he's going to be thirty in an undersized guard. And if we watch Steph Curry at six foot three uh, get marginalized by defenses, well, uh, yeah, I think that does play come playoff time for Kemba Walker. So it is time to yeah. say thank you, Kemba, for representing us for eight years, and I will gladly root for you when I'm watching. Uh, fun NBA teams in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I think the obvious thing the Hornets should have done is trade him a year and a half ago, okay? I mean, they 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 were shopping him last February, two, I mean, talking two years ago, uh, before Mitch Kupchak even took over as the GM. Not a coincidence Rich Cho was fired a week after the deadline, by the way. But um, there was just, there were trades to be had. He was valuable at that point. They didn't make the trade. Um, here's what I would do if I'm the Hornets. Here's, here's my master plan. If I'm going in and I want to offer Kimball Walker a contract, you can make $140 million over the next four years elsewhere. After, if you take that trade, or trade, if you take that contract, when you're 34 years old, are you going to make $25 million in that next contract after that? No, you're not. You're not going to get $25 million in the contract after this one because no point guard at the age of 33, 34 is going to get that kind of deal. So I offer him 165. I say, I'll give you 140 like you're going to get from those teams. And then that fifth year, I'll give you that. So 165 total. That's more than you're going to make 
by going elsewhere and then signing an additional contract later. So I'll give you a five-year deal, 165, take it or leave it. That contract, fairly affordable. $33 million a year. That's not 40. That's not 44. It's a lot different. Mike Conley just got traded today to Utah on a $31 million contract with two years left because a contending team wanted to take a chance on an expensive aging point guard when they felt like they were in win-now mode. So maybe in two years, if you haven't figured it out by that point, adding something around Kemba, then you can probably get rid of him for a t- or to a team that wants to contend. That would be my way. If you're going to keep Kimba, I would not spend $200 million on the guy to bring him back and sign up for another 39 and 43 season. And the best case scenario in Josh's uh, scenario is that you get to trade him three and a half years after you should have traded him right. at a higher price point. Like that's the, that's the problem. You were right from the beginning. They should have done this. They had an asset. They didn't, they didn't maximize it. Uh, they didn't build around him. And now it's time to watch him, watch him go elsewhere and then root for him as if he was, you know, a college player that has Dallas advanced Mavericks. to the NBA. I think, yeah, a sneaky team. I know we're going to wrap it up. Boston. Watch out for Boston and the Kimball Walker. Oh, there it is. Oh. Good. Good. Okay. Good take. The thought that Kimba could go nope, to Boston. Nope. We're past our dough. We're not going to talk about it. We're done with that. No, just Three minutes throat. over. We're done. Oh, no. Colin just died inside. Back and maybe to outside, sorry. too. I thought you were yeah. going to root for him. Back to positive. <laughs> I was. I was. Up until I was all the way there. Back to positive Panthers talk. All right. That's right. With Colin Hoggard. Yay. Game time. Game time. We usually do Game cam. Time. We usually do cam to KK, but Ooh. we needed smaller numbers. So cam to Lavrone. Yeah, it's Lavrone. Andre Lavrone. Lavrone. Oh. You may recognize him from Flex Friday. He was the dude that Tory Smith did not know who he was. So veteran presence. I the feel better than I did not know who he was. So I like my margaritas with Lavrone. Uh. <laughs> uh, wait. Who Lavrone? Who is that? Is is is, that's is a, it, that the first name or is that the whole name? It's Andre Lavrone. He wears number oh. sixteen. Is this like Seal? <laughs> he's, a, <laughs> he's just Lavrone from now on. Yeah, from just Lavrone. Number sixteen. Number sixteen. I should have done my research. Uh, well, now you know. It's all right. I you it up. not only the best part about this game <laughs> is you need to. You're gonna. Depending How does this on what you, work? <laughs> depending on what your ad your answer is going to be, you're going to need to know who wears uh, all the numbers. So oh no, oh, no. no, we're no. Not doing that. <laughs> no, no definitely not doing that. All right, are we ready? Well, so you need, one to sixteen. Mm, there you go. You're ranking one to sixteen. Your thoughts on oh gosh, number of games Cam starts. Counting the Super Bowl or not? Oh, it's our first. Oh, I guess we should <laughs> clarify. Are we just saying regular <laughs> yeah, season. Yeah, is this is this regular and postseason? I think regular season. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Chris Winkie. I'm wow. going to go 16. Yeah. I, I think he starts the whole That's season. That's actually the full Lavrone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the full Lavrone. <laughs> I do. I think, I think he starts the whole season. I mean, the, the only way he doesn't is if there's some like horrific injury. I don't think, ah! it's a, I don't think it's a shoulder. Stop deal. it. Sorry. Stop not that injury. Well, I'm just saying, sorry, putting it into the air. I don't think it's a shoulder thing. Like, I don't think it's going to be the shoulder wearing down. I, he seems to be feeling really good. The Panthers feel really optimistic. I'll give you this note. Um, Gerald McCoy came on our radio show earlier this week and I asked him, I said, Hey, when you were here on your visit and you were talking to the team, you know, we had the whole vegan lunch outing, whatever that was called. Um, (laughs) flavors from the garden. I asked him, I said, did you talk to Kim about the shoulder? Because you said you wanted to go to a contender. This team's not a contender if Cam's not healthy. So did you talk to him about that? And Gerald very slyly was like, uh, we had a good conversation. I'll leave it at that. 
pretty much telling me that Cam gave him the go-ahead, like, I'm good. Like, this is going to be fine. So I, I seem to trust that. We haven't heard anything. There's been no setbacks. There's been nothing negative. I'm starting to buy into the fact that Cam's going to be healthy for, for a full season. But this is what they do, right? So uh, – That's fair. Uh, fair. Like, this is what you have to do. It's training camp. It's mini yeah. camp. It's OTAs. He feels fine now. He's on the road to recovery doesn't matter how good he looks in week one. It's going to be week 12, week 13, right. week 14. So if the problem with the shoulder is that it's arthritic or if it the scar tissue builds up, like if those things are happening, that's what's going to be the problem. And it's not going to be a situation where he, I, I'm sure he's going to feel great in week two. It's going to be in week 13, 14, 15, 16 in week in uh, Jarius Wright, Moe's Frazier, Chris Hogan, Lavrone. Is that – is <laughs> Hogan where 15? 15. Because I was going to say 15, 15 so England. that was my question to ask. Is he 15 here? Now, that being said, I'll also go the full of Roan because I do think that he's going to either – either he's going to be fine, either either the shoulder's going to last for the whole 16 or he's going to force his way onto the field because the shoulder wasn't fine from week 10 on, and they still started him right. until until he literally could not push the ball 10 yards down. Kind of a Taylor Heineke problem, though, don't you think? Like well, a little bit? Well. I feel like they knew – they didn't have any other option. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I, I think, like, if, if Greer, if they feel confident in Greer that he can at least go out there and not die, like Taylor Heineke did halfway through his first game. I love you, Taylor Heineke, but you're, you know, you look like He's you're small. 17. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It could be interesting. I, mm. it's, why I was, it's why I was on the Colin Kaepernick train, not to divert the podcast, but I'm, I was on that, like, get oh, a veteran. Or All right. Kaepernick, Let's okay, reset okay, the okay. clock. No, 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 no. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right, rewind 10 seconds. Uh, I was on the Tyrod Taylor train. Okay, I, I was right. on the get a guy who could, if, if you're nervous about Cam, could start for a week or two. And, and Aren't you from better. Tech, though? Yes. I'm but <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, Tyrod, was he fits the offense. He's a mobile guy. I'm he bitter. started games. I'm from Nebraska, games. so I'm like. Ooh, you remember that game? Yeah, we can yeah. talk about that game for a while. Nope. You should have mentioned that earlier. Boo. Nope. Anyway. College Colin? football games from the 2000s. I also don't <laughs> think Will Greer's looked very good in practice so far. Go ahead. Yeah, well, he's a rookie. He shouldn't. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Frank Reich. Cam, Cam. Cam will be taking off two games this year. I don't you know think? when they're going to be, but there will be two games off this year. The last two? Or the uh, well, you know, I mean, probably thirteen and the only one. thing is, do you want to get <laughs> yeah. up the well, NFC? Well, that was a good point. <laughs> two weeks off, heading into a playoff game. I mean, I just feel like you know, now if you've already got the bye locked up, you probably do get into play seventeen. <laughs> I was, I if Chris Hogan is in fact number fifteen, I was gonna say Cam doesn't need to play that last week because we need to put the roster up here. On we the, do. On like, the... who's number what? All right, ready? Mm-hmm. Number of games Golden starts. Oh, Ooh, that's great. I'll go first. Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> two. No. Wow. Uh, Ouch. <laughs> oh, Clausen was two. I was thinking seven for a second. Uh, <laughs> who was seven? Uh, Kyle Allen. Mm. Oh. I'm going to go Kyle Allen. Seven. Yeah. yeah. No, actually, I just I just said that so just, just to say the to number say. seven. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think Galden probably starts. Um, oh, you guys are so much better at this than I am. Um, who's 14? Who's a 14? Who's a 14? Armani was. Ooh, good. Okay, thank you. All right, you're, yeah. you're filling in there. Armani Edwards. I think he starts like 14 games. I don't know. I mean. 14? Yeah, he, he's going to be the guy. Who else are they going to bring in? Trey Boston isn't coming to Carolina. I, I don't think Eric Berry is either. Eric Berry has also started. Three one, games one, in the past yeah, two years. Yeah, three games in two years. Like, yeah. I think Golden's going to be the guy. You're ride or die, it's going to be Rashawn Golden. Get used to we it. We don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's – so I'm going to couch it because I don't care because it's our game and we made it up. Uh, I think it's either the full Lavrone or it is uh, 
or Surper. or it's the or it's uh, no or it's I think honestly or it's Heineke, which is six because there's six. The buy is in week seven, oh, and so I think that that's the smart take. So after six, they'll be Tepper will be like, you know what? Go get Eric Berry, who's still somehow sitting on the couch and can play a Curtis Samuel put. Do you have a trip games. scheduled then? What? Do you have a trip scheduled then when oh, that would happen? Oh, man. I, no, but I should. Maybe I'll just go out of the country. Depending on how Galden plays, I'll I'll book my flight, and uh, and then we'll bring in Eric Berry or um, some other free safety that's out there. Number Who of else wins. is out there? Yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter. Ooh. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Number I, of wins. Curtis Samuel. I think it's a 10 and 16. Uh, I think as long as Cam is healthy, I think this team is uh, certainly better than last year. Remember, they were six and two to start the year, and three and zero against eventual playoff teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is a team that, if Cam is healthy, is absolutely in the mix for the playoffs. The reason I wouldn't go higher than ten is the schedule's very daunting down the stretch. Yeah. I-, I just think it's going to be really hard for this team going up against New Orleans twice, Atlanta twice, Indianapolis, Green Bay. Uh, to win, I think more than four games in the second half of the season. I think this is a team that's probably five and three or six and two to start the year. Uh, I really do. It, it's going to feel like 2018 all over again. But uh, with the caveat that Cam gives you the full winky, uh, I think you get the uh, Curtis Samuel uh, on the on the uh, on the back end. I think it's a ten and sixteen. You like that? I, I feel I like, like I'm, I feel that. like I'm catching yeah. on. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I like Full it. winky came out so gross. Uh, <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. Oh. I, I, deal, I, deal, I deal with Nick Wilson having to make like <laughs> six-year-old potty jokes all the time. I thought I was. I thought I was going to avoid that for this podcast. I guess not. No, we're on. We're we're on the potty joke hive as well. Um, Josh. I, I'll go. Uh, oh man, who am I going to be today? <laughs> who am I going to be today? See if you can think what I'm thinking. I'll go Tory Smith. That's who I'm going to be today. We're playing Madden because everybody's going to stay healthy. Can't they're going to go eleven and five? Plus, it's an odd year, so they have. We were on the same <laughs> page, but you said the wrong player. Oh, who would I say? Does he have golden locks? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Congratulations, uh, too. Didn't he just get married or something? Uh, I think he's been married for a while. But uh, Oh, is yeah. this Brenton? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His wife uh, works out at Orange Theory with me. Plug to her. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. How I'm do you like that Orange Theory? Well, maybe we should talk about this off. Yeah, good off stuff. Pod. Yeah, good All stuff. Right. We'll tell you later. We'll come back. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow. Well, They're I'm, not a sponsor. Uh, I'm not going with the full Winky. I will go with the full Collins, though. 12 and 4. I, wow. I think this team. I, I really think this team. <laughs> so see, optimistic. Ta- I, I know. I told you. I told you. <laughs> this flower blooms once a year. It's in June. I haven't seen them screw up in a while. <laughs> this happens. Um, I really think this offense has a, is – if you if you believe in Cam Shoulder, which I don't think I have any other choice right now than to believe in Cam Shoulder, because otherwise it's 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 not uh, it's you know the the, the flower wilts. Um, I think this offense is gonna is gonna be a special offense. I I really do. I think Cam is poised for a bounce back year. We've seen it before out of him, and I think this front seven is gonna be difficult enough. Um, and and I, and you know you talk about this stretch in the second half of the season, and that reminds me very much of 2015 when we said, well, there's no way that they're going to go through this middle stretch of the season against Indy and Green Bay mm. in prime time, and they're going to be able to come out on top, and that's exactly what they did. I, I think this is a type of team, and I think Cam's a type of guy that likes to play in these big-time matchups, and I think they're, 
The optimism is high, but it is June, so save the tape. Well, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> save the tape. Mark that down. Uh, what time? 6.51 p.m. There we go. <laughs> we're pros at marking the tape. We're, yeah. we're, we're really good at this. We burn the tape after every show. I don't, I don't, you guys should probably take a page out of our book. All right, this is a two-parter. Number of sacks the Panthers leader has, and who is it? The answer will not be Julius Peppers. So. Mm, that's a <laughs> That's Ooh. the one thing I can say answer. confidently about this question. So could you go higher than LeBrone? Theoretically, you could if you wanted to really uh, really get crazy. Um, I will say the Rodney Pete, and I'm going to give that to um, – just FYI, I know this is a, it's an audio podcast, but – both Josh and Colin are furiously Googling which, <laughs> what I would assume is a Panthers jersey number. Like, both of them, as soon as the question got asked, were like, here we go. I was like, oh, I think right. I remember what? this I, I don't think you're supposed to reuse numbers. <laughs> so I'm trying to. That's a good point. Um, oh. I think that the, uh, you know what? Just for funsies, we're being very positive today. I'm going to say Gerald McCoy. I think that uh, this this defense the way if you single team Gerald McCoy, he is going to get to the quarterback, and I think he's going to be single teamed more than he ever has in his entire career. And I think yeah. that if you're looking for a renaissance, and perhaps if you're Gerald McCoy and you say to yourself, "Hey, how can I make myself more money?" I'm going to sign a one-year deal, have a Rodney Pete amount of sacks, and have a huge impact on this, and then I'm going to go to the Ra- back to the Bucks for three years, forty-two million. So I actually I, – I like man, you dropped the mic and everything. I I like the thinking there that this is a supporting cast that's going to really allow McCoy to thrive. Um, he's one of five defensive tackles ever mm-hmm. to have six sacks and 20 hits on the quarterback in a season so that's a at, at, the, at the age of 30 or older. Um, only one guy has done it at age 31. So there is kind of a, a, a drop-off once you get past 30 in terms of being one of a, a dominant pass rusher, I should say. But McCoy was one of those five yep. that did it a year ago. So maybe he does rep, uh, you know, repeat that this season. Uh, I'm not going to go. And that defensive uh, line in, in Tampa was not good last year. I get it. Jason Pierre-Paul, I mean, Vita Vey, but like. <sighs> well, Vey was banged up. So, yeah. I mean, he was oh, good man. at the end of the year. Uh, I, I, Pierre Paul is, is better than any pass rusher that the Panthers have on this roster. A couple fingers short of a full uh, well, sack. Well, you know, all right. Um, I would say this. I'm going to go David Carr. I'm going to go David Carr sacks. Yeah. Um, I think eight sacks because, like, I believe you said this earlier, Colin, uh, I think they spread the wealth a little bit. Um, I'm going to go Brian Burns. I'm going to go Brian Burns eight sacks. That's fun. I, I, I think Burns is going I to like pe- that. peel his ears back. I, I, I'm expecting big things from him. I wanted them to draft, like, January – Rolled around, and I was on the Brian Burns hype train. Like, that was my dude. I think he's exactly what this Panthers defense needed. They needed speed. They needed somebody who can just pin his ears back and go. Brian Burns is that guy, and I, I think eight sacks is a reasonable number for him. Um, I, <laughs> Who'd you Google? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going with Bruce Irvin at a at a uh, healthy Jason Baker. Like seven. 55 sacks. <laughs> no, no, Bruce Irvin with seven sacks leading this team. I do think this is a team – as we discussed before, that's going to be strength in numbers more than one individual that I think shows out over the course of the season. All right. This is the most important question here. Uh, Josh, where can people find you on the uh, Twitters and whatnot? Uh, super creative handle, at Josh Parcell, um, P-A-R-C-E-L-L, which, quick aside, people have screwed up my name a hundred different ways in the last like couple months. We won an award, not a big deal, for best midday show in Charlotte. Yeah! Pretty sure we're the only midday show in Charlotte, but we won. But we won. And on the, on the award, it says J- uh, Josh Parrell. 
And then we've had callers oh, call me Perel Jason. On the bench. Well, yeah, see, it's, yeah. you know, Pharrell, Pharrell. Uh, I've gone by Parsmel, mm-hmm. uh, Parsnail, um, or my high school nickname, Parsizzle. Mm. So, oh. uh, yeah, yeah, that was a thing for a couple years. That but definitely dates you yeah, in a certain yeah, little band yeah, of time. Big, big Snoop Dogg guy <laughs> yeah. back in my day. Josh, Josh Parcell on Twitter and on Instagram and on LinkedIn. I don't know. Yeah, Everywhere. sure. Sure, why not? I like a LinkedIn Let's, let's connect. That's the yeah. first one of the season. <laughs> Josh, big dog, big dog Josh. Uh, We've had every Josh in the media here now, I find think, right? Me. Yeah, I think there's only three of us, right? Who else Sims? do we have? Yeah, Sims. we had Sims. Sims yeah. has been on the show. Yeah, I think that's all three. Oh, I don't know. It seemed like a lot of Joshes. Yeah, well, we need to get Colin Jones on the show, and then we'll be set Amen. for Collins, too. <laughs> Amen. Uh, we had all the Nicks, too. Oh, that's right. Nick Wilson and Nikki Wolf. Uh, you can find and me Nick on Twitter. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, Bones. Don't That's worry, he stopped He stopped listening an hour ago. <laughs> he's, he's not the only one. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules. You can follow the Riot Report at our Riot Report. Uh, that's where we do a, most of our tweeting from training camp. And honestly, once we uh, – if I can do a sincere plug, if you're still listening, uh, the, um, the amount of coverage that we will have for training camp is absolutely spectacular. The photos, the videos that Kevin Ketchy puts out are – fantastic and um we have some new people that we're going to be bringing in i'm really excited for training camp much like colin feels about this season uh i feel like this training camp will be our best colin and that's why you're drinking heavily during it (laughs) (laughs) well that's why why i also think it's going to be the best (laughs) yay uh people can find me sitting on my back deck and on twitter at colin clt and I am Nikki704 on Twitter. Joss Parcizzle, thank you yeah. for being on the one-day contract. Your one-day contract is up. I think I like Parsmel. Parsmel. So did all again. of my friends in middle school. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a classic. That was an You've old been listening to One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho, Carolina. Josh Parsmel, one-day contract is up. Right. See you all next season. Bye. Yes, season two. Swallow your pride, don't let your lip react. You don't want to see my hand where my hip be at. With Artemis from the start of it, running the game. James West, taming the West, so remember the name. Now who you want to